Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Talking in Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell, Philip Matthew, and Spencer Cowan tonight as we're discussing the weekend that was from Kansas Speedway. The Bushy McBush Race 400 from Kansas Speedway won by the one and only Kyle Bush. He, he pulled it off. And late race drama, a race that was pretty much dominated by Kyle Larson. He led 132 laps, but a late race restart got Larson a little bit off of, of strategy, got him behind it, got him a little bit deeper in the pack than what he was used to, some contact, and uh, Larson ended up finishing um, in the 19th position. But Kyle Busch was your winner. Kevin Harvick finished second. Third was Brad Keselowski, Matthew Benedetto fourth, and then Chase Elliott Rounded out the top five. Some good names, some interesting names in there. But Philip, let's start with what you thought of the of the Bushy McBush race, 400. Kyle Busch going to victory lane, uh, 58th career win. What were your thoughts when you saw Kyle stand in the victory lane on Sunday? The wrong Kyle was in victory lane. Um, the fact of the matter is, Larson dominated that deal. Uh, Spencer's boy has been the best guy on the one and a half milers honestly other other than like that true x kid from mayetta new jersey i mean the the fact is that five car was so fast it was in a different zip code and uh the fact that daniels took it out of his hands it kind of explains how jimmy johnson didn't win for the last couple years of his career uh you know like that's that's something that has to be cleaned up uh, by September when it counts, uh, when they, especially when they have to go back to Kansas later in the year. Um, you know, the fact that Kyle Busch won, I mean, it's Kyle Busch, uh, what he's going through, him and Samantha, you know, after what happened with them last week. It was his birthday, too, so there's a whole bunch of stuff going on there for Kyle Busch. But, you know, he hasn't run all that great last couple of years coming off that second championship, which in its own right was a gift, but uh, he got gifted this one. Uh, There's a whole lot of stuff that worked out in his favor to go and get that win, but hey, he's got a win. Him and Ben Bayshore have their first win together as a crew chief driver combination, and now they can start doing some R&D work. There's a couple of races here coming up um, after this week and next week where they're going to get practice. So it's entirely possible that Kyle Busch could get on a little run here and um, give himself a little momentum, have momentum for the first time that than uh, he's had in more than a couple of years. So um, got to give credit to the A-team, pulled it through. There's a reason why he's one of the best. Uh, but honestly, uh, Kyle Larson had the best car and probably should have won that deal. Uh, Kevin Harvick pulling out a second when you consider – that the rest of Stuart Haas racing was in another country uh, is, uh, is I guess, typical. Uh, so, I mean, that's, that's, 
that's my take. I mean, Brad threw a bad block there late in the race that basically ended up giving us the finish that we had, uh, trying to get two in a row. But, uh, yeah, you know, it is what it is. You know Kyle Busch eventually is going to win a race at some point during the year. So uh, he got it out of the way early, and he's going to get to do some R&D work the rest of the regular season. For sure. That's that's the benefit of, of that. Uh, you can make some uh, aggressive calls at the end of these races if you have to to try and get some playoff points. You can do a lot of different things. Kyle had a pretty good car. I mean, to give him credit, uh, he won stage one, finished second in stage two, so he got a lot of points on there as well. But he wasn't dominant car of the day. Spencer, that one had to hurt. Uh, you know, I always say when, you know, as a Bill Elliott fan growing up, you know, I remember his wins in the nine car when he drove uh, in 2001, 2002, and 2003. I remember those wins. But there are some heartbreakers. The 1997 Daytona 500, it stands out. Uh, the 2003 Homestead finale that just linger and still hurt to this day. And, and they always said, you know, Richard Petty will say, I can remember some of the losses over some of the wins. Uh, how did this one feel for a Larson fan? And, and um, what do you think of his performance and, and the team's performance in general uh, there on Sunday? I mean, yeah, it sucks. Um, I mean, this one, I... It, this one stinks more than um, Atlanta. You know, even though I feel like he had a better car at Atlanta than this, and like Phillips said, dude, this, the the five cars just it's on a whole other zip code right now. If you ask me, put aside if I'm a fan, if I didn't have a favorite race car driver, and I was watching races week in and week out, the five car has been the best car on track um, all year. Uh, no matter where they go, there's been a few races where he hasn't led a lot of laps, but um, as far as a few races, I mean, the car has just been unbelievably fast. It's fast. It's faster than all the other three cars at Hendrick. I feel like, yes, Byron's been pretty solid. Um, the nine, the nine is just nowhere near the five is, but back to the point that you asked me, um, yeah, I mean, this, this thing's way more than Atlanta. Um, just because Atlanta, he used up his stuff and he, he straight up got passed. Um, I feel like the caution's that when they fell came out at the wrong time, the tire caution, I'm sure we'll talk about that. Um, and then when um, the last caution that wasn't with the tire, when Stenhouse spun um, because Larson was able to regain the lead, started first, got the lead, and was driving away with a hint, uh, with a few laps to go, and Stenhouse spun. So um, the cautions just didn't fall right. And Greg Ives is doing a hell of a job over there. I really like Greg Ives. Greg Ives reminds me, I said this on the show before, of a Cole Pern. He's laid back, he's quiet, he's chill, and he's extremely smart and knows how to set up a race car and get the stuff done. So um, the other teams, when the, when, the, when everything goes the five-team way, the com- competition better look out because he's, just, he's, on, he's, on, he's in a whole other zip code and the car is really flying right now. And um, this... Uh, He's he's dropped a few spots in the points for um, late race incidents and whatnot. Talladega really hurt them. That dropped them back. So, um, you know, he has a damn good shot this weekend at Darlington. So, uh, see what he can do. He really does. There's no doubt. Uh, Larson's been good everywhere he's gone. And and, uh, Cliff Daniels and those guys over there at that five car have really done a good job. And and they've really – listen, all Hendrick Motorsports has really – um, figured it out this year, especially in the mile and a half tracks. They are the team to beat right now in the mile and a half tracks. Toyota is is close, uh, and Penske's pretty close. 
But, um, yeah, the Chevrolets, I think, are the best team. And, and there's a few guys who ran pretty good. Uh, uh, Philip mentioned Kevin Harvick. Now, he wasn't great seventh in stage one, tenth in stage two, but he was the best of his teammates, and he was able to pull off a, a second-place run, obviously, with, with the situations that went on toward the end of that race. Um, he was able to gain a couple of spots just due to what happened at the end. But he's still a second-place run. He, he did a very good job there. Kozlowski, third. Philip mentioned his block. Uh, Di Benedetto, who needed a good run, a solid run in fourth. And then it was Chase Elliott, fifth. Martin Truex, Jr., sixth. Thought I'd see a little bit more out of the 19 this weekend. Um, you know, they've been pretty good on these mile-and-a-half tracks the last few the last few weeks and, and really the last couple of years have been real strong. But it uh, just seemed like they were okay. You know, they didn't have the, the raw speed that we normally see from that. 19 cars, so that was a little surprising for me. A hell of a run for Tyler Reddick. He, he deserves a great, uh, a, a lot of praise. He just did a great job. Chris Busher, who was in a prime opportunity, we'll get to that in a little bit. He finished eighth, and it was William Byron and Austin Dillon rounding up the top ten. Um, Philip, who really stands out to you in the top ten? I mentioned Truex, a guy who um, I, I thought just would have a little bit more speed. Um, Deep Benedetto, who needed to have a good run. He seems like they're really rattling off some decent finishes here lately. Uh, what about the rest of the top ten there, and who do you have that, that ran pretty good? Yeah, you mentioned Tyler Reddick there, Clayton. I mean, he needed a good run. Uh, when he puts together a run, he he's able to really run up in the top ten all day. I mean, his teammate also finished in the top ten, so great day in general for RCR. Uh, Reddick definitely needs the points, um, but these one-and-a-half-mile racetracks where – they're worn out. You can run the wall. Those are tracks where he can make an opportunity. Unfortunately, that's not every track. You know, that dump in Texas is one of them that isn't a, like that. But, you know, like, and they only get to run there once. But, uh, you know, at Kansas, being able to run the wall and being able to use that is able to give him a little bit of an advantage compared to other drivers. I think Larson was basically driving about a half a lane to a lane off of it, and he was able to make things work the whole day. Um, but Reddick was running the fence, and to me that's the run, you know, when you consider where he's at and what his struggles have been so far in his cup career relative to what he has shown um, in Xfinity and in, in trucks even. Uh, I think that's a good momentum run going to Darlington, which is a track that I think suits him well. Going to Charlotte later on in the month, that will probably, with the 600, will probably suit him well, given if they bring the right tire. Uh, It's a good momentum builder for him in regards to trying to make this playoff because there's so many winners right now. Um, there are some other guys in there. I mean, Busher got screwed uh, because of the stupidity of NASCAR. Um, you know, that was a call. Lambert's not known for making good calls, and that was a good call. And if it was Chase Elliott or if it was somebody else, they'd have thrown that yellow. But because it was Chris Busher, they literally let that thing cycle out for 20 laps. Um, and, I mean, that's, you know, ridiculous. Uh, it affected the race in the same, like, it affects the races. It affected the race, and it's like it affected the race 20 laps before. Um, and so I feel bad in that sense because he probably had a chance at a top five finish 
you know, he could have getting an ace place finish, considering what Roush Fenway's putting out there on a weekly basis is not horrible. But um yeah, I think those are the two people that stand out to me in regards to the top ten and both of them are kind of on the edge or on that playoff bubble uh discussion. So those are the two guys that stood out to me. Yeah, for sure. And um, how about you, Spencer? There was a few guys, even when you go deeper in the field, and that's a decent run. You had Suarez in 11th. Uh, Michael McDowell in 13th had a solid day, uh, or solid finish, I should say. Ryan Newman had an interesting day. He had to come all the way back from two laps down after NASCAR determined that uh, they, they maneuvered the car. They pulled out the side skirt of the, of the car during a pit stop, and uh, they had to bring him down on the pit road and, and perform a penalty uh, underneath the green flag condition. So Newman lost a couple of laps through that. So a solid day, a solid rebound for him to come home to 16th. That's Yeoman's work there. But who really stood out to you? A couple of guys, Spencer, uh, that really stood out to you uh, on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, as far as, um, you know, obviously you're going to see the same guys that run up front, but there were a few guys that um, some good runs and needed a good run. Um, whether it's for a big team or small team, you guys pretty much mentioned um, Harvick. He really needed that. Matty D, he really needed a good run. Um, Reddick, he had a good run and needed that. Um, as far as as far as somebody that had, I would say that had an okay run and who has had a awful year um, would probably be. Uh, Briscoe, he came home 20th, and you look at that as a Stuart Haas race car, and but I mean he's really that team is stunk like bad, and yeah he wasn't up front, he wasn't leading laps, he wasn't doing this, but to come home 20th um, can somewhat give them a little bit momentum, a momentum uh, moving forward. Um, but I mean as far as you know where guys have finished, um, and then McDowell with 13th, that's really huge for that team to come into a mile and a half racetrack. He's locked into the playoffs. He's um, he's he's pretty well off in the playoff standings. He's ninth in the playoff standings and thirteenth in the regular standings. And um, he came home with a top fifteen finish, which is huge. That keeps the points up there, and um, that's another track that they can check off if they had a good finish and move on to the next one. And that team has really, really, really impressed me this year. They've done a hell of a job front leading laps, won the Daytona five hundred, and. Um, Realistically, they're going to get eliminated in the first round of the playoffs. Um, but the fact of the matter is they made the playoffs. They won the Daytona 500, and they're having one hell of a year. Yeah, they are. Uh, there's no doubt. And, and 13th in points, and he's doing that, you know, obviously, um, to the rest of the season, it's not just Daytona. Now, Daytona helped them extremely, and so did Talladega. But still, 13th in points is something to hang their hat on for that 34th team, no doubt about it. Okay, I'm going to start with Spencer, and then I'm going to go to Philip, get his take on it. Spencer, uh, again, uh, I've I mentioned this a lot on the show. I kind of want to get this new fan perspective before we get the old school perspective, because I have a feeling I know which way Philip's going to lean. Um, I'm curious your take on the situation. Uh, let me paint the picture here for everybody who might have been buried under a rock here the last couple of days. Lap 231, uh, well, really during a, a, a round of green flag pit stops, um, a tire got loose and was sitting on the front straightaway, and, and sitting in the on the grass on the front straightaway. Uh, it was out of harm's way. There was really no um, no problems. 
as far as it was concerned, but um, NASCAR decided to wait until the round of green flag pit stops had ended to throw a caution flag. They did that on lap 231. Now, Chris Buescher in the 17 car and maybe the 47, and there might have been a couple of others who were had a little bit different strategy they were going to play, so they ran it a little bit longer, hoping NASCAR would throw a caution, they'd catch a couple of cars a lap down, and be in a decent, and much better shape than what they were. Uh, NASCAR didn't do that. They waited till the end, then threw the caution flag. A lot of people on Twitter, a lot of people on social media, Spencer, were um, furious about it because it just seems like if there's a safety issue, it seems like they should throw it immediately. And if there's not a safety issue, then why are we throwing a caution flag at all? That's sort of the dilemma I think a lot of people are questioning. Um, what's your take on it, Spencer? Do you think NASCAR got it right? Do you think there was something wrong with what they did? Uh, what's your take on it? Car is way off on this. Um I don't understand the people, um, NASCAR officials in the tower or whatever, what runs through their mind to let that tire sit out there for what? I would say 10 laps at least. You guys would agree, 10 laps. Um, maybe a little less, eight or nine, but that is a lot of time. Hell, it could have been more than 10 laps. It was a long time, put it that way. Um and I agree with you. If it was a safety issue, you throw it immediately. Clayton, you call 911. They're going to show up for 25 minutes. They're going to wait 25 minutes and then come. I mean, it, it, it doesn't make sense. Um, you know, the tire was out of harm's way. It was right on the edge of pit road. Uh, according to Fox, that Kansas has the uh, – the biggest infield grass out of every racetrack we go to. So pit road is the furthest away from the trioval at any track we go to. Yes. People are probably thinking Daytona and Talladega, but I go to Daytona every year and it's actually not that wide of a green. Um, so I just, I, it doesn't make sense to me. You know, it, it ruined the race um, with the green flag pit stops. It, you know, cause the um, 17 still had to pit. The five was going to re- regain the lead with about 25 laps to go and it was going to be a show between him and Hamlin. Um, and it just, you can't, I, it just doesn't make sense to me. I, like, I'm, I'm having a hard time coming up with words because if you're not going to throw it for the first 10 minutes to tire sitting out there, why throw it at all? I mean, really, it just, it, it's dumb to me. Um, I, I think it would have been one hell of a race between the 5 and the 11. You know, it, the 11 might not have caught the 5, I don't know. Um, Larson had a two and a half second lead at the point over the 11. And, you know, I don't know about saying that because the five was in the lead and I'm a fan. I don't care if Quinn Huff was in the lead. I, I don't care. The fact of the matter is we had a good race forming, um, with 25 laps to go. And I mean, if you wanted to call the caution, call it in the beginning. Um, NASCAR has done a lot of fishy stuff like this. And well, I don't know if fishy is the right word, but just a lot of dumb stuff. Um, and I, I think they're way off on it, uh, way, way off. And I'm sure Phillip's going to have a good uh, a good conversation about it. But, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, it's a terrible call. Yeah, it was, it was curious. Listen, you know, Phillip has a classic line. I use it a lot um, as far as consistently consistent in selective enforcement. And uh, this didn't help the situation. Didn't certainly didn't help that. I mean, this is uh, something that, We've seen them do in the past, but it just, to me, there needs to be a set line in the sand. 
either you're throwing a caution for a tire getting loose or you're not. I would have been okay. I've, I've always said this. I feel like it's okay to wait until the race stops to uh, keep the tire there. And I know the, there's a slight chance a car can go sliding through the grass, hit the tire, the tire goes into the – to me, it's it's so rare, it's so impossible to happen that, especially nowadays where these cars don't get sideways anymore, it, it, it's it's insane to me that we have to throw a caution for that. And then obviously when the race stops or slows down, certainly we can go out and get the tire. Um Philip, what's your take on it? I mean, again, we've been watching this sport a long, long time. We've seen a lot of crazy stuff with caution calls. We've seen a lot of crazy stuff with pit road. Um, what's your take on it? Do you think NASCAR got it right? Do you think there's a better way to do this with, with the way they're doing it? What's your thoughts? Well, we don't know what the heck they're doing because they change it up every single week. I mean, it's I mean it's ridiculous. The, the, if that, and I said it, in the previous, uh, you know, segment there where um, if Chase Elliott was leading that race or if it was Kyle Busch or somebody like that, they'd have called that caution. Uh, I mean, the fact of the matter is it was a five car and he was destroying and it's the 11 car who's the runaway points leader uh, this year. He's got nearly a 100-point lead right now. I mean, why are you affecting – the point is it was it's a caution when the tire got loose. So how is it not a caution for 15 laps or however long it is? I mean, I get that you mark it to the lowest common denominator, but really, I mean, it's just ridiculous. Um, and, I, and I feel bad for the teams that actually – made the call and were hanging out there waiting for that caution. Because in the end, it would have been a 20-lap caution because NASCAR doesn't even know how to score a race, and they would have had to wave around everybody. It would have been some sort of cluster. But the fact of the matter is, Chris Buescher, they're not a team that's running. They're right now, they're right on the edge right now. They're they're 15th in points. You know, you look at O'Richard, he's 19th in points. You got Tyler Reddick, he's 18th in points. These are the kind of guys – you know, they're trying to take a, a dice roll. Kurt Busch is outside of the playoffs right now. Uh, you know, those are dice roll kind of guys. And you're taking an aspect out of, you know, the uh, out of racing there, the strategy. Because, of, I mean, we could get into the semantics of all these other things, you know. Let's see. NASCAR officials retrieved the Aaron tire, but we let the strategy unfold. Elton Sawyer was the one they sold out to go and um, because Scott Miller's usually the one they send out there to go and say to to take it in the chin, but he usually says something stupid. So they send Elton Sawyer out there, um, former driver, to go and take the hit for how dumb that was. Um, it's like it is a sa- like how can you say it's not a safety issue? If it's if you don't think it's safe for a, a, a pit road mem- a pit crew member to retrieve the tire which existed for decades, then it's a safety issue. It, I, I I I don't get it. I it's whatever. I mean there's there's a reason why uh, this sport is is becoming more and more like WWE and uh, it's something like going in a caution. There was a caution 15 laps before they 
through the caution and they decided not to and they affected the race and you know fundamentally uh it, it it's just irritating uh beyond belief and they'll say well uh you know you don't have to watch but it's like i'm gonna watch and i have to deal with the fact that they insult our intelligence you know with with such it, 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 like completely idiotic decisions on a weekly basis i can only imagine what they're going to do at coda in a couple of weeks with like track limits and some of the stuff they're going to have there if they can't even go and get an uncontrolled tire what are they going to do with track limits uh, that that that's going to be a complete disaster too but we'll see what happens with that yeah listen that's the thing it's it's just they got to race officiate i'm not saying every every decision is easy because there's certainly some decisions that are difficult but it, it's the uh inconsistency that has gotten this sport with these calls way off the rails and that's why we can't understand anything that they do um 9178898280 that's the number to call I want to discuss a, a couple uh, one more thing on this weekend's race um before we move on to um the Xfinity, or the truck series race from Kansas excuse me um you look at the points guys at the end of the at the end of these races and uh you know at the end of this race I should say and really the top 12 has got a pretty big cushion um as far as points are concerned you know you got Christopher Bell who's got 292 points He's got a 24-point cushion over Michael McDowell. Um, and then it's really McDowell, Bowman's right there, Busher's right there, and then it's Matthew Benedetto who's the final guy in 16th. Uh, Kurt Busch is shockingly 17th. He's the guy I kind of want to focus on. Uh, Tyler Reddick's 18th. Ricky Stenhouse Jr.'s dropped here recently. He's 19th, and Ryan Newman 20th. Uh, and then you got Bubba Wallace and Daniel Suarez. So, guys, to me, um, you know, there's some gap between – uh, Stenhouse and Newman, and some gap between uh, Newman and Bubba Wallace there, but it's still up for grabs. You know, there's only, Newman's only about, um, if I could do quick math here, he's only about 31 points back of Matt DiBenedetto with uh, 15 races to go. So it's pretty tight there uh, from 16th, really from like 13th to 6th to 20th. Um, is there one guy who's currently outside of top 16 that you expect? To, I'll start with Spencer on this. One guy outside the top, uh, the top 16 in points right now that you expect to make the playoffs, and there's a one driver inside the top 16 that you expect to miss the playoffs. Uh, 11 races so far in the season. Um, who do you got there for those? Yeah, it's kind of tough. There's a few guys I want to say, but just the way they've been running and the guys that are above them have been running – um, like Dylan, I don't think his season's been too shabby. Um, I think it's, um, I think it's been okay. I don't think it's been awful. It ain't been great, but it hasn't been bad. And he's uh, he's currently 16th in the playoff standings with Kurt and 17th. I would want to say Kurt could possibly jump in, and Dylan will take the 15th spot from Busher. Um, as cool as that would be to see Busher make the playoffs, I just don't think it's going to happen. Um, so I would have to say Kurt Busch would move up into the 16th, and Dylan would stay, and Busher would fall back 
And I like Busher. I, I think it would be awesome for him to make it in the 17 car. That's big for Roush, the way they've been running the past, shit, decade. Um, so uh, I think, and I just don't think Reddick has enough. And Stenhouse, I just don't think he has enough. Um, and then Newman, I just don't think he has enough. So I think Busher loses it and Kurt makes his way in. Interesting, you know, and and I totally would agree with you there. Um, as far as Busher and that seventeen, I think I like you know I like Busher a lot. I think he's a good driver, but he's the guy I think most vulnerable there to fall out. But you never know how the season's going to play out. But Kurt Busch is an interesting guy, you know, and he was I kind of wanted to focus on him as far as a little bit was concerned, just because of how he's been running recently. He was sixth in points, and I know it's three races in Homestead, but he was sixth in points uh, after Homestead. And right now he sits 17th in the standings. He hasn't had a top 10 finish since Homestead. So it's been pretty surprising to see um, Kurt Busch just struggling as badly as he has. Uh, and and that's to me, is, is why I kind of pitched the question, because it's not surely, surely a lock-in. How about you, Philip? I mean, Bubba's a guy, he's, he's way back now in points. I mean, again, he's about, um, let me try and do the quick math again here, 43 points back, which is an insurmountable but he's going to have to really pull off some nice runs here, get some stage points here, if he wants to stop start making the playoffs on on points. You know, obviously he can win and get in if he wants to do it that way. But if he wants to get in on his points, he's really going to have to pull off some, uh, really start pulling off some good runs here, uh, re- real soon. Um, is there a guy outside the top 16 right now that you expect to that to be in the playoffs, and who that would that be? And there's a driver you expect to pull out who's currently in. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I I think Spencer is on it. Um, you know, Kurt in what's likely going to be his final year. I mean, that team is not – that organization in general is off. Uh, you know, the Hendrick team is the lead Chevy team. You have RCR. And then with, with – like the RCR team and the Ganassi team are kind of in the same boat. Uh, you with Dane Kurt Bush, I was looking at it, you know, just as you were talking, just leading up to the question. I'm like, this, he's had a couple of like outside top 30 finishes because of crashes at Atlanta and then Talladega, which has not helped his cause at all. But when you look at the average finish across most of these guys from like Bowman on back to like, going into, you know, even Ross Chastain, his teammate, they're all within a couple of positions of each other. Of course, now, in Bowman's case, he's got the one win, but um, otherwise, it's not great. Uh, It's not a great uh, body of work. He's only got two more points than Chris Buescher right now this year, and he has two top fives, four top tens, and a win. So, other than that win, it's it's he's had a bunch of he yeah he he's had a few DNFs, you know, and that's something that once you get to the playoffs, that's a first round exit waiting to happen. So and he only he has less lead lap finishes than Michael McDowell, and it's Michael McDowell, um, you know. So like I think Kurt Busch turns it around. The only other person that I could really see, I mean, O Richard has been in he's oh Richard, you know, like he could probably go out there and pull one out because Brian Paddy's a, a kind of a dice roller. He could possibly get one. 
but then as you see with NASCAR, they probably wouldn't allow them to have, let that happen. But, uh, it, I mean, I think right now it's going to be very difficult considering how many guys have won so far this year. And the defending series champion hasn't won yet. The, the runaway points leader, 87-point lead right now, hasn't won yet. Um, Kevin Harvick has not won yet. Those are three more guys that haven't that are gonna get one. So once you get past that, then you're you're talking about it's gonna be very difficult to make this playoff, and that that would mean 14 or 13 different winners at that point. So you'd only have three spots for points. So if if you're really trying to make it in on points, it's gonna be brutal uh, this year. Yeah, see, I'm going to go with a different guy. I think when I look at the points um, in Cup and I think as a driver who's outside, who can get in, I agree. I think Bush is most vulnerable. Maybe Matthew Benedetto as well, but that's a Penske car. Um, so we'll, we'll have to wait and see on that. But um, I think the guy who's most likely to get in and somebody that has quietly put together a really good string of races is Tyler Reddick. Tyler Reddick, for, we forget. You know, after Atlanta, the sixth race of the year, Tyler Reddick was 28th in points. Uh, and he finished seventh at the dirt race at Bristol, eighth at Martinsville, 20th at Richmond, seventh at Talladega, and seventh at Kansas, and got stage points in pretty much all of those races since Atlanta. He's jumped 10 spots in the standings since then, and he's right there. You know, he's, um, what's that, 18 points back of Benedetto right now which is surmountable. It's not cra- a crazy, crazy amount. Um, we know the kid's got a ton of skill. He's very, very good on the mile and a half tracks. The only thing that would bother me about Reddick is I don't know how great of a road course racer he is. You've got the Circuits of the Americas coming up here in, in, on May 23rd. Uh, you've got uh, Road America, Watkins Glen, of course. We still go to Sonoma, too, that's sprinkled in there as well. So um, we've got a lot of road course coming up, but he's he's Good. He's going to be probably a factor at Darlington, at least a top factor around the top ten. Dover's a tough racetrack, but he's good there. Charlotte, you expect him to be strong there as well. I expect him to be strong at the National Super Speedway. Um, Atlanta again in July. You know, so there's some races that he can rattle off some really good runs. The only thing I'd be real concerned about for him is the road courses and how he could perform there. Uh, you're going to have a lot of them here from now until the come chase time. You know, you've got one, two, three, four, five, five until the chase, is, chase comes. So uh, it's the only thing that would make me worry about Reddick and maybe give Kurt Busch a nod over him. But Reddick's really pulled off some really nice races here as of late. So uh, keep an eye on that eight car as the weeks go on. Okay, guys, um, it was the uh, Wise Power 200 from the uh, Kansas Speedway in Kansas, Kansas City, Kansas. It was run Saturday, of course. And it was won by Kyle Busch. He won both stages. Uh, led 59 of the races, 140 laps. Uh, ran a really good race. His teammate John Hanimichek finished second in both stages and finished fifth. But I'll give you the rundown quick, and I'll get Spencer's take and then Phillips' take on the Truck Series race. Uh, Kyle Busch was your winner. Ross Chastain was runner-up. Third was Austin Hill. That was Christian Eckes and then John Hanimichek. Todd Gilland, Zane Smith, Raphael Lassard, Johnny Sauter, and Ben Rhodes rounded out the top ten. Quick note, Lassard finishing eighth. Uh, he is out of that ride uh, due to lack of funding. It's uh, Ryan Reed, I believe, driving that 24 car, excuse me, this weekend at Darlington for that team. Um, 
for GMS Racing. So a little disappointed to see uh, Lassard, who seems like a pretty good little driver, but just didn't have the funding to run full-time this year uh, after finishing eighth at Kansas. But Spencer, what was your take? I know you're a Chastain fan. You were pulling for him hard at the end. He did a hell of a job. I mean, the Nice Motorsports trucks have not been great all year. Um, they've really struggled, but Ross going up there finishing second. Give Bailey Curry a shout-out. He did pretty good as well. Um, he, he ended up finishing 12th, but he was up there in the mix towards the end. What were your thoughts on the truck race there at Kansas on Saturday? Yeah, I had a pretty disappointing weekend, I would say, huh? But, no, I just once again, Ross was in the right spot at the right time. And um, and a, just a caution, you know, uh, messed him up and gave Kyle another shot at uh, the race win. And what stinks is Kyle actually was put three wide and was going to continue to fall back. But when the caution came out, he was scored fourth. If it wouldn't have came out, he would have been toast. He would have lost, you know, two or three more spots. Um, and Ross was pulling away. And then uh, when Freeston had that crash on the back stretch, um, you know, it just gave everybody else another shot. So just another disappointing weekend for me with, um, you know, my driver being so oh so close and then coming up a bit short. But, no, that's um, – Ross doesn't get too many shots at these things anymore now that he's with Ganassi over in the cup. And um, But, I mean, it's – you know, these trucks, like you mentioned right before you came to me, is – they haven't been as good as they were um, in 2019. They were GMS fabricated. Those were GMS trucks. You know, they were running up front, uh, made the final four. Ross was winning races, leading a lot of laps, and they just they don't have that anymore. And you can definitely tell that um, the organization isn't as strong as what they were. But it's funny. Ross comes over, and he continues to put the truck up front. He ran in Atlanta, was his first one this year, finished seventh, ran pretty much fifth or sixth all day, and comes here and, didn't have the fastest car by no means. Um, could have won the race, and I would have told you he still didn't have the fastest car, but he came away second. And, you know, when you finish up there, that's what brings home the money. So, um, And then you mentioned Bailey Curry. I think he did a hell of a job in the 45 truck. Um, and they that team needed that, really. I mean, they were, they've been struggling so bad and um, just not having good runs. Ryan Truex is... <laughs> I feel bad for him because I like to see him do good, but he ain't done a damn thing either. So um, it's uh, it was an okay race. Hate to see Kyle Busch win, but I'm um, sure would like to see that 44 beautiful watermelon Plan B sales and Circle B diecast truck in victory lane. They run Darlington this weekend, of course, at the, at the uh, throwback weekend. And actually the 45 is shocking higher. Uh, Eric Darnell is going to be in that truck. Uh, in the uh, sort of a throwback scheme as well with the back to his Northern Tool equipment uh, forward back when he ran for Rash in 08 and 09. Uh, and in 07, you know, he ran back then. Uh, but he's running the trucks this year. He hasn't run, a, he hasn't run a, a, a race in nine years, and he's approved no problem. Jennifer Joe, 18, 18 uh, super speedway starts. Nah. But Eric Darnell, nine, you've been running nine years? Okay, you're, you're approved. Whatever. It's, you know, again, like I said last week, it's comical. But uh, I don't want to get too far off track on that. Philip, what's your take on the truck race? Obviously, Kyle Busch standing in victory lane. A lot of people, you know, look at that and go, oh, again. Uh, but what's your take on the truck race? Who stood out to you? Yeah, I mean, for Kyle Busch, I mentioned it earlier with what uh, him and uh, and Sam were going through this past week and similar to what happened with um, Chase Briscoe and his wife last year around this time, uh, you know, so in that sense, 
it, it's it's um, you know getting a double, which is something that Kyle Busch seems to do all the time. Uh, it's not shocking, but under the circumstances, it's uh, probably a nice thing. I mean, Ross literally is the only dr- person that could drive a Nice Motorsports vehicle. I, I've I've came to that. I, I don't think I needed any help, any convincing of that. But Ross Chastain jumps in that thing and becomes a rocket ship. I mean, those things have been absolute garbage all year. Um, and he ju- he starts basically tailback, and he finishes second. He and I mean. You gotta give him credit there. Um, I mean, yeah, for Spencer, the brutal weekend getting two seconds, but then considering how he's doing in the fantasy game, I mean, it kind of works that way. I mean, he has to get humbled somewhere. Uh, but, you know, Austin Hill uh, getting a top five and John Hunter maintaining. Uh, this time, Kyle didn't give him the win. So, uh, you know, John Hunter getting uh, stage points and maintaining his probably insurmountable points lead. Uh, you know, he's, it's going to be pretty straightforward for him at this point. He's already got 30, he's got a 33 point lead and over roads going to Darlington, which is probably a track, which will suit at least in this vehicle, John Hunter very well. Um, Huge lead after that. He has 78 points on Austin Hill, 83 points on defending series champion Sheldon Creed. So, I mean, it's it's basically uh, a done deal. It's either going to be John Hunter or Ben Rhodes winning the regular season with a high likelihood of it being John Hunter. I mean, Raphael Lassard, you mentioned Clayton about him losing his ride for Eric Darnell. Um, you know, that's kind of brutal, but when you consider GMS basically has no money, in two of, with their defending champion and Zane Smith, um, you can't run three trucks with no money. So they, the odd man out was Lassard, and um, we'll see if he can catch on somewhere. Um, but it'll be hard for him. It's going to be the the point situation right now, and the crazy part is Lassard was only 19 points out of 10th, so makes it pretty brutal. Uh, there was a battle about five drivers there for that final playoff spot. Um, you know, and I mean, Enfinger doesn't want to run every race either. So that, that disqualifies him there. So, I mean, there, it, I think in regards to that, I mean, you look at some of the other guys that were in there, um, but in the grand scheme of things, yeah, Sheldon Creed goes and gets a solid, you know, run through the first two stages and then doesn't get a finish. Uh, that's that's kind of a a bummer for him. He's had kind of a rougher start to the year than you thought, but you know the. But we'll we'll see. I think eventually this thing is going to turn around for the two truck, and they're going to eventually get in a victory lane. They might be able to get into victory lane this uh, Friday at uh, Darlington, frankly. Yeah, and, and uh, it's going to be a compelling race at Darlington. Okay, guys, not, not to move on uh, so quickly, but um, we've got, we got a couple more things I want to get to tonight before the end of the show, and uh, one of the things is the All-Star Race at Texas. They announced the format this past week on the 28th of August. We didn't get a chance to really go through it, 
Um, and I kind of want to get your guys' takes on it first. I'll go to Philip first and then Spencer. Um, let me just kind of say this and, and give you the format. And uh, just if you haven't heard it yet, again, if you've been buried under a rock, let me just read it. Hold on. The race will feature six rounds, totaling 100 laps. Starting lineup for round one will be determined via random draw. Rounds one through four will be 15 laps. Round five will be 30 laps. The final round will feature a 10-lap shootout. At the beginning of round two, the field will be inverted via random draw, minimum of eight or maximum of 12, all live on FS1. Uh, the round two random draw will be seen live by fans attending the race on Big Haas TV. Before the start of round field, three of the, round, the entire field will invert. From the beginning of round four, the field will be inverted via random draw, minimum of eight, maximum of 12. Uh, starting positions for round five will consist of the cumulative finishes from rounds one and four, the lowest cumulative finish on the pole, starting second lowest, start second, and so on and so forth. All cars must enter pit road for a mandatory four-tire pit stop during round five. The starting positions for the final round will be determined by the finishing positions of round five. Only green flag laps will count in the, in the all-star race. The fastest team on pit road will do during the mandatory pit stop will earn 100 grand, and the race-winning team will win $1 million. The only thing I really like – oh, and from the technical side, guys, sorry. Uh, remain the same except for the tapered spacer, which will be – uh, which will slow it down even more. So if you like the 550 package, you don't like the 550 package, um, you know, they're, they're giving you a little bit even more of that. So uh, the only thing I like in that whole thing <laughs> is $100,000 for the picker. I think that's kind of fun to bring uh, the team aspect into it all. But goodness gracious, Philip, I mean, I, I don't mean to put words in your mouth. I, I don't know how you truly feel about this, and, and I'm sure you're going to tell us in a little bit, but uh, wasn't it? so much nicer when you had the all-star race and you can figure out what the hell was going on. You didn't have to have a, a engineer sitting next to you to, to calculate all these finishing positions and a, another person just to tell you what the hell's going on on your pit box. I mean, goodness gracious, there's just, uh, whoever thinks that, that putting too, so many rules into a race is a good idea. I mean, just let the guys race. I mean, it's, that's, it's like, is that that hard to do? I mean, just let them go out there. Let the, we have the best drivers in the, in the sport go out there and just say, you know what, guys, do it. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't understand it. It, it. it can't be much. It, it's so complicated. I mean, my final thoughts on this is this. When I was in school, in college, I went for uh, broadcast journalism, and one of the things they always said was KISS, which is keep it simple, stupid, complicate things. Well, they, they've certainly complicated this all-star race. Philip, I read people on, on Twitter and, and social media saying, get rid of this damn race and put, make it a 37-point race. Where do you stand on it? Oh, God, this, that, that, I mean, you said a lo- a plenty and you did a, Amazing job as always, but my my goodness, it's one of the crappiest racetracks on planet Earth. And then you add the fact that you're going to have 86 stages, you're going to have inverts. I think there's a dizzy bat race somewhere in there. I think you're going to have a sparky dash in between the fourth and fifth stage. You're going to have you're going to go and go and somebody's going to do shots, and then the other person's going to go and put the their underwear on their head and go and run around. I mean, you're it, it, they, they should just do what Tony said at Talladega back in 2012. Tape them up solid, run them on until they blow up, 
if they can, <laughs> if they're still alive, let one half of the field go one way and let the other half of the field go the other way. I mean, but I mean, that's really what they're trying to do. Um, I mean, it's, it's a joke. Um, I mean, it's Texas Motor Speedway, so that in its own right is a joke. But then on top of it, that you're doing all this, I mean, you're really, really, you're, you're, they, they, they market to the lowest common denominator, yet they come up with this. So then what the heck do you want us to do? You want us to have the calculator? You want us, to, you know, McReynolds doesn't have a freaking clue. So what, what, what the heck is he going to do? You know, Clint Boyer's drunk. And then Jeff Gordon's up somebody's butt. So then what, what Mike Joy is going to be expected to tell you all that stuff that's going on? Forget it. You have the stat guy. They might as well put the stat guy on the mic to go and explain all of this this nonsense. It's a freaking all-star race. Run a 20-lap dash. Run it in the freaking quarter mile. Run the geriatric 250 like they did in 92. And where they go and run like little late models and run over each other. I'd rather have that. At the end of the day, a demo derby would, well, I mean, it's Texas, so it usually is a demo. Let them run a demo derby. I don't care. Anything would be better than whatever this nonsense is. I mean, they say FFS, that's what this is. That's because there's no respect to what this race actually was meaningful once. The only good thing, like you said, is bringing back the Unical 76 pit crew competition in a sense. And letting the fastest team, which will probably be Denny Hamlin, go and get a hundred grand, um, because a million doesn't matter to anybody anymore. So at least getting a hundred grand to the pit crew definitely will, though. Right, and that that's part of it too. But no, you're listen. I I agree, and you know, I, I heard somebody on on um, on the radio. I listen to Sirius from time to time because you know, uh, I, I enjoy it, but. I heard somebody on SiriusXM say, and I'm not going to say who it was. They came on as a guest, and they said, I forget what the topic was, forgive me, but they said, you know, uh, I'm okay with change, but as long as it doesn't kill tradition or something to that nature. You know, uh, I'm okay with change, but we got to keep the tradition in NASCAR. Like, this all-star race is like, like you said, Philip, it used to be like, people looked forward to this race. I mean, it was like, okay, the all-star race, great. And a little bit of a, you know, look in my personal life, what I did last year during this time, because we were all locked into a house, we couldn't really do anything. I went back and watched all-star races and went back to the 80s, back when it started, went back and watched the Atlanta Invitational, went back and watched it all. And thought, what what has changed this all? What has made me? What has made this all star race lose its luster for me? Because over the last five or six years, it's really lost its luster. Even if it wasn't Charlotte, you know, and a lot of it's you know I can get, go all day on this, but a lot of it's got to do with to me the rules. They should open up the rule book and let these driver let these teams get a little bit uh, creative. I think it would be awesome. Um, but anyway, we used to have a tradition here, and and. Part of it being a tradition is is remembering things, remembering how it goes, and everybody saying, you know, having the same format. For example, Super Bowl has been four quarters, fifteen minutes forever. Um, you know, we've never changed that. We've never changed the All Star rate, the All Star game of baseball to seven innings because while well, pitchers, you know, they can't go as long. We didn't change any of that. And I know the All Stars 
yeah, all sports all-star games aren't as good as they used to be. I understand for one reason or another. Baseball's different now. Um, but we used to have such a good all-star race. And they just, I mean, what in the hell are they doing? I don't know. I, 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 I'm just like, I, to me, keep it as simple as possible. I like, I've always liked what they did in 2002 when they did the eliminations at the end where they took out drivers and made it the best 10 drivers on a 10-lap dash at the end of the race and said, go for it, guys. And you can invert the 10 and, and go for it. I think that was awesome. But we've, we've just gotten so – it's somebody actually thought of this idea. And somebody – and people signed off on it. It's amazing to me. But uh, it, it's incredible. It's incredible that that, that, that can be done. But, um, okay, guys, you know, moving on, a couple more things I want to get to before the end of uh, the show. Um Let's review our fantasy picks from Kansas, and I also want to get your favorite picks uh, for Throwback Weekend for Darlington and get your picks, obviously, for Darlington as well. So um, we look back at our fantasy picks here from Kansas Speedway. Philip picked Martin Truex Jr. He, he had a really uh, a, a decent weekend. Um, you know, I, I talked about it earlier. It wasn't as good as uh, what we expect usually from that uh, 19 car. You know, Truex and that team usually run pretty darn good. And uh, I think he ended up seventh. So that is worth um, three points for uh, Philip Matthew. And then his dark horse uh, at the end of the, at the, at the race was Tyler Reddick. And I talked about Reddick. He had a heck of a race. Excuse me, Truex was sixth. Uh, so he was sixth and Reddick was seventh. Okay. So three points for Martin Truex Jr. and sixth. And then your dark horse gets six points, gets double points because he had a uh, top ten run. That's three points. Double it to six, so Tyler Reddick uh, got you a grand total with Martin Church Jr., a grand total of nine points. Uh, that puts it up to 37. Clayton picked uh, Chase Elliott. Chase Elliott finished in the top five. That's four points. And my dark horse finished in the top five as well. That was Matt DiBenedetto. Uh, that's eight points for a total of 12 on the entire weekend. And then the Spencer picked Kyle Larson. He was in the, you know, how we missed Kyle Larson show up, I'll never understand. But we actually got lucky this weekend. Uh, Larson only got one point coming back to finish 19th. His dark horse was Kurt Busch. Kurt Busch uh, got two points for finishing in 15th. Double that. Uh, that is four. So that's five points. So the standings heading into um, Darlington right now. Uh, 75 points for Spencer, 61 points for Clayton, and, and Philip Matthew at 37. So, Philip, we're going to let you pick again here to start it all off, and then I want you guys to pick your favorite throwback schemes and maybe we'll do a little bonus or something uh, if your throwback scheme wins, like Best in Show, if they do that, or something to that nature. Um, so let, let's do your picks for Darlington, uh, for the race win, Philip, and for the dark horse for the cup race at Darlington. Yeah, sorry about that there. I had myself on mute. Uh, in regards to a favorite well you you just said it and um after the last couple of weeks I, I and considering what he has done recently at this racetrack i'm not going to leave him out there for his for his guy um i'm going to take young money as my uh win pick and in terms of a dark horse pick um 
I'm going to pick Kirk Bush because he's done pretty well there and he's outside of the top 16 in points. So I'm going to go with uh, Young Money, uh, Kyle Larson for NASCAR fans, uh, for actual motorsports fans, he's Young Money. Um, Spencer knows that. He knows a whole bit. And then uh, his former teammate, Kurt Busch, who needs a good run. And it's a racetrack that suits veterans, and it's it's one of his better racetracks, even if he I don't think he even has a win there, but it's a good racetrack for him. Yeah, and, and you mentioned veterans. Um, that I feel like veterans are always a good pick to go um, at Darlington because, you know, uh, they are – Darlington's always such a, a track that is so difficult for a lot of people to um, pull off, and, and so it's it's tough. And that's why I'm going to go with a veteran for my win, too. I uh, won here last year. I'm going to go with um, Dennis Hamlin as my winner. He hasn't won yet this year, uh, but he's come close a couple of times, so he's going to be um, my winner pick for this weekend, Denny Hamlin in the 11, of course. Um, and then my pick – as I gotta pull up the points here for a second, guys. I'm sorry. My pick for um, uh, my dark horse. I just want to make sure I'm doing this right. When I look at the driver points after Kansas, okay. So uh, I'm gonna go with um, the guy that I've been praising a lot, and I'm not really even sure how he's run it at this track, but um, I really like what that team's been doing recently, and I think he's a whole race car driver, and I can see him having a really good run. And that's Tyler Reddick. So that's my dark horse for this weekend. As for uh, Darlington. How about you, Spencer? Who's your, who do you got as your race winner? And then uh, your dark horse. Um, thanks, Philip. Uh, I will go with... Oh, man. When you're third picking, it's hard. Um, I will go with the... Oh, man. Give me um, – I'll take Kevin Harvick, I guess. Why not? And my dark horse will be um, Eric Jones. Oh, man, I tell you, Eric Jones. Um, that's, a good, that's a good pick. I like that because I think he's a good – He hasn't been too shabby there lately. No, and I'll tell you this, his yeah. paint scheme – Rocks this weekend, I, I, you know. Yep. And that, we're gonna get on that to- topic. Uh, I'm gonna have to really think about this, guys. I know I kind of threw at you guys before the show, so I'm sure you've been thinking about it um, at all. And again, if, if there is a a um, best in show, an official best in show where p- fans can vote on it, we will do a bonus. Uh, you know, maybe three points or four points or something. If your paint scheme finishes best in show um, or something to that nature, we'll figure something out. But uh, your paint scheme, I'll start with Spencer for this, then we'll go to Philip. Spencer, what's your favorite paint scheme or, or two? Um, if you want, uh, if you can't decide, who's your favorite paint scheme for this weekend uh, at Darlington on a throwback weekend? I know I don't think all of them have been officially announced. I'm sure there might be some teams waiting for tomorrow. Um, but uh, right now, as far as it's concerned, who's your paint scheme? Um, I will have to go with the small Ford team of front row and the 34 um, throwing it back to Bill Elliott and don't get me wrong there are a lot of beautiful paint schemes but they really hit that on the head every detail is perfect to what it looked like when Bill Elliott drove that nine car and they did a very very good job with the gold wheels 
And then just to give um, some exposure to the Xfinity series, I will take, it will either be the Gatorade car of Michael Annette. I think they did a badass job there. And I will give a shout out to Jeremy Clement and their UPS throwback scheme. It's um, that's a gorgeous car too. Yeah, there's there's so many this weekend, and and I I know I kind of last week trashed it, thinking that a lot of teams weren't going to announce it. Um, for the most part, even Roush was kind of not really, but they they technically did do a throwback scheme. Uh, so there was a lot of teams that that didn't do that last year that are kind of participating this year. So good to see that. Hopefully more teams do it. It's a fun weekend for fans. It's cool to look back on all these paint schemes. Philip. Um, you know, Spencer gave us three, so you can give us three as well if you'd like. Um, who's your couple of paint schemes that you really, really enjoy uh, looking at this week? Yeah, I mean, this was one that was announced today and kind of threw me off a little bit, but I was pleasantly surprised and really happy to see it. Uh, it was uh, Chase Briscoe's uh, throwback to A.J. Foyt, which is a connection to – fact that Tony Stewart's heroes AJ Foyt and I'm sure that is one of Chase Briscoe's heroes too to 1986 uh, Copenhagen Oldsmobile that uh, AJ Foyt drove in cup and also he ran a similar scheme in the Indy cars and he has a helmet there the, all the details are there uh, fits and fits the sponsorship very well um, I, I think it's a very well turned out car uh, hopefully it'll run good uh, it'll be nice he won there last year in the Xfinity Series. Probably should won both races there. Um, give a give a shout to James Davison. They're not known for running very well. Him and his teammate were fighting a couple weeks ago, but that's a real um, cool, uh, uh, you know, harken back to an Australian motorsport legend and Dick Johnson, who's kind of like you know you think about the likes of Bobby Allison or Daryl Waltrip or those, those Kale Yarbrough kind of guys. That's what Dick Johnson is in Australia. And he came here and ran cup back in the late eighties and, or like 89, 90. And that was a, a cool one. I mean, there's a lot of good ones uh, this year, uh, but kind of, I mean, I, I'm pleasantly surprised too. Like you said, Glenn, like, a lot of there are some that just made no sense, but really there's a lot of good ones, and it's nice um, if people continue to try to be creative or cry, go and connect to the legends. I think that's really what it boils down to. Um, as long as they do that, then it's worthwhile. There are certain teams that mail it in. Um, Gibbs is one of them generally with a couple of their drivers, but uh, there there's other teams that really try hard and. Um, it, it's part of why they sell a lot of merch doing it too. So I don't think it's going, hopefully they keep on coming up with creative stuff, um, to, to keep it going. Cause it's nice to see them and hear some of the stories that connect to those cars. For sure. Uh, and you said Briscoe Davison, is there one more that stands out to you, uh, Philip? I mean, yeah, that's the thing. If he really gave me time, he was like, there's so many, really. But, um, <laughs> I mean, it's, I, you know, the one I just noticed that's just random but is kind of cool, uh, you know, there's a couple of these Crucci throwbacks here this weekend. Um, 
and I, I guess I guess like it, it's a cancellation because you know like you had um, Greg Ives to his late model, which is interesting. Uh, you know, I, I think to Eric Jones, I, and I and I also saw like a pseudo throwback to Trent Owens. I forgot Trent Owens drove, so that was something yeah, to see. Um, I, I mean, I'm kind of torn. Uh, I mean, obviously, anything that involves John Andretti, we have a couple John Andretti tributes uh, this weekend, and you can't go wrong with an STP anything um, if you're a NASCAR fan. So. I'll, I'll go with that Jones boy. Um, he is good at Darlington. Hopefully they give a Baxter or gives him a good piece uh, because it looks good. I'll tell you, it's uh, it'd be nice to see that STP Chevy uh, run up front uh, this weekend and get a nice top 10 or top 15 finish to help Eric Jones's chances uh, to go and make the playoffs. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I just got to give a couple of quick ones, and, and then I want to get to Philip on something else, uh, and uh, then Spencer too, um, and then we can end the show. But uh, Josh Palicki is a really great one. Going back to uh, Lenny Pond, uh, I'm going to go with that one. I like that one. I love William Byron's when he, I think he t- threw it back to I believe it's Neil Bonnet's Valvoline scheme. That's awesome. And Brandon Brown did one for uh, UPS, pretty similar to just Jeremy Clements's, but I like Brown's. Uh, that really stood out to me today. So. Um, and not to um, totally go from one or fun thing to to another, but been a couple been a rough week in the motorsports world, and I just kind of want to get a few words um, on a couple of guys. And I go to Philip for one, and Spencer for the other, and, and some memories of what you guys have. And, and Philip, I'm gonna go to you for Bobby Unser because uh, I can't speak for Spencer, but I can speak for myself. Uh, you know, open wheel and, and everything that goes on in that world is a little foreign to me, but obviously we all know the Unser family, um, whether it's Al Sr., uh, Bobby, Al Jr., um, the whole Unser family. Uh, and Bobby lost his life this past weekend um, at the age of 87. Uh, just a few words on Bobby Unser and what you remember from him and memories of Bobby Unser. I mean, for me, uh, Uncle Bobby is he was well, and he's still known and now and uh, being up there with all a lot of his friends. And the fact of the matter is, I always remember him as an announcer and how he and Sam Posey would fight on the ABC broadcast, and Paul Page had to sit there and be the traffic cop. Uh, I mean, that that was how I remembered him. He'd always go and. Uh, they'd he'd have his takes and he he would go and say whatever he thought, but he'd say it in such a pleasant tone and people would just let it go, even though it was really horrible in some cases. And he said some really terrible things, but uh, the, in, but in the grand scheme of things, he was a great race car driver. He won on dirt. He won on pavement. He won three Indianapolis 500s. Uh, he won Pike's Peak. I don't know how many times. Uh, he's absolute legend of motorsports, and he set the tone for his brother Al Senior, and um, of course, you know Al, his nephew Al Junior, and then his sons, and you know all the that whole family. And if there's one thing, like if you really want to have laugh and see see uh, Bobby Unzer, and I guess in a in a light of what you know kind of what he became with all the stories he could tell 
uh, Dinner with Racers did a show, uh, not just the podcast or podcast, but they did a show on Prime, Amazon Prime, and they made uh, Bob Yunzer into a cartoon. It was one of the funniest things, I've, one of the funniest shows I've ever seen, you know. Uh, and so um, it's a big loss for motorsports and for the world, honestly, because of how funny he is and how original and genuine Uncle Bobby was. Yeah, that, that was uh, tough news. And the other tough news um, this past weekend was Eric McClure, who, uh, if you're not really familiar with him, uh, he ran a, about 225 starts in the Xfinity Series uh, from about 2008 to about 2016, 2017, right around there. Um, never really came close to a win. Was sort of with teams that weren't really com- all that competitive, uh, but 42 years old. And, uh, you know, there's, I know there's been some speculation on, on social media about what exactly happened. It's really none of our business, but uh, our thoughts and prayers are to, with his family as well, uh, as well as the youngsters. What about you, uh, Spencer? You got any memories of Eric McClure driving? You know, he he, um, he drove the hefty car for a while. I know that was kind of a tie-in. He had, he had a, a, a tie-in there with a hefty sponsorship and, and not nearly as heralded or as decorated as maybe Bobby Unser was, but certainly uh, somebody who the sport's going to miss greatly. Yeah, I mean, he was around, you know, in my time. And I remember that horrific crash he had at Talladega where he spun and his car shot off like a rocket. But the biggest thing is one of my good buddies, he um, owns a memorabilia shop over, you know, where we live, Clayton and Daytona. And um, he was really good friends with him, um, played golf with him and, just he, he was friends with him. He's got a personalized suit um, hanging in his uh, shop that's personalized to says best with best and all that. And um, so I mean he was close. And actually he when Eric McClure had a K&N car and Austin Cindric drove it, he sponsored the car with his memorabilia shop on it um, on the back quarter panel on both sides. So that was really cool. And um, so he was very close with Eric. Um, and, you know, and it was shocking news to everybody, really. So, um, yeah, I, you know, he, you all, everybody knows him as a hefty driver, you know, hefty um, garbage bags and Ziplocs and whatnot and saran wrap and whatever it is. So, uh, yeah, it's very um, so sad when you lose somebody in the industry, and especially if, um, you know, it's harder on the ones that, that are close to those people. So, um, and then uh, I guess to bring it up, um, uh, Derek Lancaster was also released from the hospital too, so that's good. So, um, yeah, it's very tough when, uh, or it's sad to see when somebody um, loses their life. It's actually at a young age, 42 is not that old. So, um, I get, our thoughts and prayers are with the Eric McClure family. He leaves back seven daughters and a wife. So, um, hmm. uh, thoughts and prayers to both of them. Yeah, that's that's it's terrible i mean it it there's no other way to, to explain it um you know just sad and, and again i felt some present with the answers and the mcclores i know uh, if you're curious and you, you are a casual fan listening to the show and you're curious as far as the tie with eric mcclore and, and morgan mcclore motorsports uh his uncle was larry mcclore so who owned that four car uh that had three daytona 500 victories uh, that was his brother, his dad's brother. So if you're curious on that, it was his nephew, Larry McClure's nephew, Eric. So uh, our thoughts and prayers are with, with the family there. Um, also, you've mentioned um, 
you know, Derek uh, getting out of the, getting out of the hospital. Uh, great to see that as well. Um, so I just want to thank everybody for listening tonight. Went a little long, but we had some fun with the paint schemes. And uh, we'll see you guys next time on Talking Circles. We've got a triple header weekend here at Darlington Raceway. Uh, stay, stay safe, everybody. Please have a safe week, and uh, we'll see you next week on Talking Circles. Good night, everybody. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.